Open your Bibles, if you would, this evening to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter number 6. And by God's grace, we're going to do the best that we can to make our way to the conclusion of this study. And I pray that this study has been an enjoyment. It has not been arduous, but that it has been eye-opening or perhaps descriptive. I pray that by uh, going through this study, we, we have a better understanding of how the gospel impacts every part of our life. And uh, it's an encouragement for me when I make my way back around to Galatians. Every time I reread the book of Galatians, it's a, a refresher course for uh, what the gospel actually is and does. It's not simply uh, something for the children to learn in kids' classes. It should never only be the introductory lesson uh, to Christianity, but it ought to be what changes every aspect of our life, and we come back to it regularly and any misunderstanding in the Christian life has to do with a misunderstanding in what the gospel does. We're going to take a look, <clears throat> starting in verse number 6 of Galatians chapter 6. And as we make our close of this epistle, the text almost looks like last-minute ramblings. And it, it is not last-minute ramblings. This book has had a lot of great order to it. But these are some final warnings, and they all do connect together. And so let's take a look, starting in verse number 6. We'll read through the fulfillment of the chapter, and then we'll make our prayer. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the, in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature and as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy 
and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Go back with me to verse number 10 if you would. And for emphasis sake, I'd like to reread this one verse and I'd ask you to read along with me please. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, we ask, Lord, for Your Spirit's guidance this evening. And Father, I'm a weak man at best. Father, Your Word is strong. Father, I'm sinful on my good days. But Your Spirit is pure. And so, Father, what I ask, Lord, is that You would take the Holy Spirit of God that resides within me and have Him take control. And Father, that I may speak as of the oracles of God, not my own words, not that I would rush through anything, or that I would prolong anything, but Father, that Your Word would be presented as purely as I can. For it's in Your Son's name I pray these things. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So as we make our way to the close of this study, and by God's grace we'll get through it this week. If we don't, we'll pick up on it the next time. But these last few verses in this epistle are not last-minute ramblings of a man trying to write and maybe even out of haste. These, uh, these are actually warnings found to be in connection with the preceding verses and a final invitation to live out the gospel in every aspect of our lives. This is no rambling but a final nail in the coffin, so to speak, to what Paul has been saying in the first five chapters leading up to this moment. This Statement here in verse number 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things comes right off the heels of what we looked at last time when we were in this uh, text. Look at in verses 4 and 5. says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. There are many who would take uh, a passage such as this or a, a, a verse such as this and try to attach to it uh, an, an explanation that I don't have to do anything uh, with any certain church. I am to do it on my own. Let every man bear his own burden and not glory in anyone but themselves. This is not what is being said in this, uh, this verse. By no stretch of the imagination is this an encouragement to withdraw yourself from the local New Testament church. This is not what is being said in verses 4 and 5. And I believe Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wanted to make very clear this point. This is why he, in verse number 6, continues the thought, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. 
There's an interesting uh, part to this right after explaining the co-laborer relationship that you find in verses 1 through 5 and how we ought to bear one another's burdens, but we are responsible for our own uh, our own individual self. He begins to explain the sowing and reaping principle, but he begins it with let him that is taught in the word communicate. The Greek word for taught or that is being taught uh, could actually be translated uh, is the word for catechism. And it's where we, we hear about a catechism. Now, the catechism is not something that is negative. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I think a lot of times uh, we take certain words that are associated with a different type of belief system and we throw them out the window. Catechism is simply being taught or being instructed in the Word of God. And there are many times where I think uh, oftentimes, at least uh, in my experience, where we completely abdicate the teaching and we don't have a systematic approach to teaching uh, one another the Word of God, the, the, uh, the doctrines of Christ, because we're afraid that somebody might label us as another type of uh, uh, church. But what is being said here is let him that is being catechized or that is going through a, uh, a, um, a structured uh, discipleship or a structured educational process uh, in the Word of God, let him that is in this type of a situation uh, communicate to him that is teaching in, as such. Basically, this relationship of the one who is being taught and the one who is teaching, it shows a training relationship that only takes place within the confines of a discipleship type of setting. For me to go home and only, uh, uh, be, uh, only be with myself and completely recluse, can I allow the Holy Spirit of God to instruct me? Absolutely. But God never encouraged us to do this Christian thing alone. He encouraged us. He set up the local New Testament church as a way of bringing us together so that we can learn from one another. We can grow together. We can be taught. And there are times where you come to a verse such as this, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. There's an instructor and instructee type of relationship And this comes right after being told that we are responsible for us. Now, understand it from this perspective. I am responsible. It is my responsibility as a born-again believer, a child of God. It is my responsibility to make sure that I am spiritually fed. That is my responsibility, not yours. And it is your responsibility as a born-again child of God, it is your responsibility as a member of any sort of uh, local New Testament church to ensure that you are being fed spiritually. It's not my responsibility to ensure your feeding. I can set the table, and it's like Mama used to say, what has been cooked has been set before you, and you can eat it or you can go to bed hungry. And so for us, we need to understand that the table is being set time after time, day after day. Whether or not we want to come and enjoy that food is completely up to us. 
Now, there were times that my mother would make dinner, but there were other times, especially as I got older and I became a little more independent, where she would have the meal that she would make during the day, but you kind of fend for yourself the rest of the day, and you hope that there's a bag of chips or something along those lines because cracking open a can of Campbell's, mixing a little bit of water, putting it in the microwave, that's too much work. So you go to looking into the into the refrigerator, just praying that there's still some lunch meat left over because, you know, anything else is just too difficult. And then what do you do? You stand there with the refrigerator open, shelves completely packed, saying, do we have anything to eat? Sadly, this is the way many approach Christianity in their spiritual diet. They wait for Sunday to roll around before they crack open a Bible. And when they're getting ready to run out the door, what do, we, what do we hear? I can't find my Bible. Maybe if we used it more than once a week, we'd know where it was. And so as we come to these type of situations, we need to understand that, yes, there is a personal responsibility. Verse 5 does not encourage us to go into individualism, at rather co-laboring and strengthening. Where it gets into the next word where it says, let him that is taught communicate. This word communicate, koinoneo, it means a, a sharing or a fellowshipping with one another. In other words, when, uh, when you, uh, for example, we have our School of Tyrannus, and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying spending time sitting with some of these men, and I'm looking forward to the fall uh, when we're able to re- repeat the class with new, uh, uh, new people and, and uh, get a whole fresh perspective. I'm really looking forward to that. But one of the things that I really enjoy out of all of it is we have assigned readings, and I like to hear what the other guys are coming across and what they're thinking as we go and make our way through the uh, 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 the lesson text uh, we put different questions out there and I like to hear the different input because let's just be very candid I'm one person and the Holy Spirit of God speaks to all and how many times have you been in a setting before where the Word of God has been opened and you can, you can be sitting in a, in a room full of three people or 3,000 people and that, that exact text, that exact message from the Word of God can reach into the hearts and the lives of every single person in that place and in a different way. You have one person off to the side who is a single mother struggling to make ends meet. She's trying to, uh, she's trying to struggle with the idea. Is there anybody in this world that understands what I'm going through? The word of God is opened in a, in a single portion of text and the man of God expounds upon it, preaches it, and she is blessed. She is encouraged. Her heart is lifted up. She sees Christ while at the same time you have a teenage young man who's going through a completely different type of life style and he is reached with that exact same message that exact same text because it's alive let him that is taught share and communicate and in fellowship with the one that's teaching don't 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 sit back well you know the preacher probably already knows that i'm gonna go ahead and let you know Probably not. What you hear is 
probably the majority of what I know. I'm not that deep. And so as the Word of God reaches into your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when you come in on Sunday morning, oh, preacher, you've got to understand, I was reading my Bible this week in the book of Habakkuk, and this is what God was doing in my heart. This is what God gave to me this week. Share. You know, pastors, uh, oftentimes this, this portion of Scripture, while many refer to this as a financial support, it is so much richer than a paycheck. It means that we begin to work together. And, and, and I'm so thankful that the Lord gave me the opportunity to, to make a living uh, by studying the Word of God. It, it, it encourages my heart when, when I get to uh, have that time and that effort where I'm, I'm spending time preparing and pouring into these things and I'm able to share it with folks. And there, there are people that they know a whole lot more about a whole lot of other stuff than I do. And if it wasn't for them knowing what they do because of what they work in and the field that God has called them to, then I wouldn't be able to drive a car. I wouldn't be able to live in a house. I wouldn't be able to go to the store. I wouldn't be able to... And so let's work together in this thing. So it's so much more. You know, sometimes we take a, a passage such as this and, and, and it can be interpreted, let him that is taught share with him that, it, that teaches in a financial situation. But I, 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 I do not think that that's all that this passage is saying by any stretch of the imagination. Similar way of looking at this would be the missionaries that we support. And there are missionaries in different parts of the world, and I get the privilege of being able to open up and read their mission letters from time to time. And you know what I find when I open up a missionary's letter? Let him that is taught in the Word communicate to him that teacheth in all good things. I enjoy that. I enjoy that. So just like not all can go to the mission field, not all are necessarily necessarily teachers. But what is beautiful in a situation like this, where he says, let him that is taught communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things, is I am given the privilege and the opportunity to spend 30 hours a week studying and putting sermons together. And I get the privilege and opportunity of arming other people to go into their workforce and carry that same message out now. That's a beautiful thing. And yeah, I, I had one person one time wanted to start a, a, a Bible study and said, uh, said, well, what do I do? And I said, just preach to them what you heard Sunday. Well, you're okay with that? I said, I'll give you my notes, man. Take it. I don't have it copyrighted. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It's not mine. Just take it and go. I want you to notice here in verses 7 and 8, though, we start to look at the sowing and reaping principle. And we're going to see how verse 6 starts to, starts to connect the dots with the rest of it. Look what it says in verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, 
that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see, the more practical aspect is revealed here of this partnership, this him that is taught and him that is being, him that is teaching. You see the practical aspect of bearing one another's burdens and proving your own work and all that. Uh, if a man be overtaken a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You start to see that here now coming to a practical application, verses 7 and 8. You see how it's starting to connect. I love God's Word. I love it. If I had written this, yeah, they wouldn't have connected. But God breathes, and it's beautiful. You see, many times I have people ask me a question, but not really wanting the answer. Have you ever had that? Somebody, they ask you a question, not because they want the answer, but maybe because they just simply want to argue with you. Well, preacher, I look around and I see the world, and this world is a horrible place, and you're telling me a loving God made it? That's not a question looking for an answer. That's a question looking for an argument. That's what it is. Now, I have had people ask a similar question, pretty much the same question, just worded a little bit differently, where they're truly, honestly looking for the answer. Pastor, I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to understand why. God is love, but this world is the way it is. You can tell the difference in the way people ask these questions. You see, this is deceptive for a person to come asking a question, not really wanting the answer, because the question, uh, it, it will cause the questioner even more confusion as they fall deeper and deeper and deeper into their deceit. For example, if you were to read the Quran, in, uh, uh, in the Quran it actually teaches, Allah says, it is okay to lie to an infidel when you're trying to get him to come to Islam. Think about that. It's okay to lie as long as you're trying to do work for Allah. And the more you fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that deceit, the more your heart is hardened and hardened. It says in verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Look at the, look at the works of the flesh. Go, go, back to, um, go back to chapter 5 and look at verse 16 there. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now you remember over in chapter 6, just a moment ago, we looked in verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Don't forget, as I've said time and time again, the chapter verse divisions were not originally there. This is following up with the previous thought. So here we are looking at the, at the works of the flesh. Verse 18, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, 
fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, strife, uh, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What are you sowing tonight? What are you sowing tonight? Are you sowing hatred? Are you sowing strife? Are you sowing division within the body of Christ? Are you sowing division within the home? Are you sowing adultery? Are you sowing lasciviousness? Maybe you're just downright lazy. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. How dare we claim the name of Christ and sow the works of the flesh? Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see, there's no place in the relationship, the teacher-student relationship that we see back in verse 6. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. There is no place in this relationship for the works of the flesh. No place. There's no place in the household of faith for this right here. Uh, I, I, was, I was thinking, uh, my daughter and I were talking uh, not too long ago, and, and we were just talking. She, you know, she was wanting to know about, you know, uh, what can women do in the church? And I said, you know, you know what, I, I'm going to make a statement, and please don't... Uh, just hold the daggers back. Husbands, guard, put your arms around your wife for a minute. You know, sadly, what I fail to see. Hold her back. Here's, here's, what, here's what I want to see. I want to see Titus chapter 2. I want to see that. I want to see young women taught how to like their husbands. I want to see young women taught how to like their kids. And some of you ladies that have been there, done that, and struggled through could be teaching it. Be putting your arm around a young lady who is frazzled, upset at what her husband just did, didn't do, said, didn't say, how he acted, how he reacted, didn't open the door, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that, and how the kids are just driving up one side of their body, dancing on their, on their head for a half hour, and then scraping down the spinal column, and they just want to axe murder everybody in the house. I'd like to see some of the older ladies put their arm around these younger ladies and instead of saying, yeah, my husband's a moron too. <laughs> say this. Honey, he's your husband. You respect him and learn to communicate with him. Woo. You can hear my 
your cotton ball drop three doors down. But that's what the Bible said. Look in the Bible. You want to know the absolute best ladies' ministry that no church has today is women teaching women how to love their husbands and their kids. We don't see it. Dave, next Sunday, we're going to see it, ain't we? Let me move on before I get fired. There's no place in the household of faith for the works of the flesh. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. There's no place for the men of the church to get together and talk about the old ball and chain. There's no place for that. So in discord. But there is a place for men to get together and talk about, guys, this is how we need to love our wives. This is how we need to encourage our wives better. Some of you older men who have gray hair, wrap your arms around some of the younger men who, well, don't have hair. (laughs) And teach them. Say, son, here's how you love her better. That's what we need. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Do we want to reap corruption? Or he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You want to know one of the reasons why many people are vacating the church on a regular basis? Is because they see out there what they couldn't get in here. And what they should have gotten in here is taught how to love, how to come alongside, how to encourage, how to be patient, how to be faithful. And they say it's all it's all just a bunch of one of my former professors used to say hogwash. I think that's the Aramaic term. (laughs) But look at verse 9 with me if you would, please. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I want you to notice the request made up to now. Starting in verse 1, If a man be overtaken a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man thinks to be, think himself to be something when he is nothing, and deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work. Take your own responsibility, in other words. Uh, let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatever man sows. Do you notice that up to this stage here, and even going back into chapter 5, the thing that is encouraged as far as this request is concerned up to now is selflessness. 
selflessness. You know, it can be exhausting sometimes putting the needs of others above your own. It can be downright exhausting. Any mother in the room should have had a holler of an amen right there. Mom, 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 mom. God love them. A mother can go outside, repave the sidewalk, come inside, rehang drywall, and then go to work, work a 40-hour work week, and come home, and her kids are automatically asking, what's for dinner? And they get to doing it. Selflessness, it's, it's difficult. It can be exhausting putting others' needs above your own. This is where the fruit of the Spirit, love, <laughs> joy. It's hard to be joyful when you're war plumb out. Peace. Long-suffering. That only comes by the Spirit of God. And that's selflessness. Look at verse 10 with me. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. Don't miss the importance of this verse. Please don't overlook it. Please don't overlook it. This principle gets passed over so often. And if you were to go back uh, look at verse, uh, chapter 2 of Galatians here and see an example of this here. Chapter 2, look at verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come... He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. To connect that to what we're finding here in chapter 6, in verse 10, it says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Listen, while humanitarian efforts are wonderful, and I'm, I'm just as happy to help someone buy their groceries as the next person, or to pay a water bill as the next person, I, I'm perfectly content to do those kind of things. Many times, humanitarian efforts, even though they're great, many within the church go on suffering while we're taking care of everybody on the outside. We've got to be careful with that. We've got to be cautious with that. While we're doing so much outside the walls, and nothing is left for the needs of those actually here within the walls, we should learn to treat everyone with respect, but we should never, ever choose those outside of the household of faith over those within the household of faith. Understand what I mean by that. So you're saying that I should ignore those people? I did not say you should ignore them. The example that would be given based off of what Peter and Paul went through uh, would be, let's just, let's take, uh, I've got... Me and a friend of mine uh, who is unsaved meet up with, let's say, Brother Jeff and I go out and we're meeting up with a friend of mine who is unsaved. And uh, 
My friend, uh, while we're sitting at O'Charlie's, my friend orders us beer. And we're all sitting around the table, and I go to the restroom, and, and uh, I come back, and there's three beers sitting on the table. And Jeff is just white as a ghost. He's like, <laughs> and he's looking, going, what in? <laughs> what are we going to And I look at him, and I say, hey, don't want to offend him. Jeff's saying, but I can't drink this. I said, but we don't want to offend him. And so let's just, it's okay. Let's just drink it. And Jeff says, well, I'm not going to drink it. And I say, come on, man. You're going to offend him. Jeff's thinking, but I'm offended if you drink it. Who do I offend? The non-believer. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. What if that's what it takes to get him saved? (laughs) It's going to take a whole lot more than that. Let me ask it this way. If I don't care to offend my brother in Christ, why in the world would he want to be my brother in Christ? And so we learn to be respectful and to do good to everybody. But this is my family. And I'm going to choose my family over the world every time. So before we go down the road of, well, we need to go do everything for everybody else in the world, while, well, you know what? They're a church member. They understand. No, stop. Especially the household of faith. What do we see here again? Selflessness. I notice verses 12 to 13. As, well, actually, look at verse 11. I want to point this out. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. True Christianity deals with an inward change. True Christianity always deals with the inner man. False deals with externals. And Paul, he says, you see, I I, I didn't just write to you and say, no, don't worry about circumcision. God bless. Have a good day. He says, look at the size of the letter I'm writing to you. And I'm not even dictating this and expecting somebody else to write it. I'm doing it in my own hand, making sure that you understand how serious this is. And so he gets into these these, uh, false teachers... Verse, if you look back to chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, it reveals that the gospel is offensive because it reveals how weak we are. There's nothing about me. I can't do anything good. I can't do it good enough. I'm weak, beggarly, and it's offensive. False teachers offer a religion full of external behavior. 
And they would rather see someone slain in the Spirit, talking in unknown tongues, uh, grabbing hold of a prayer cloth. Uh, They'd rather see them do those kind of things than simply know Jesus Christ who can change them from the inside out. And the focus is all on the wrong stuff. Well, if you don't do this, then you're not saved. You know how I know I'm saved? Because I put my trust in absolutely nothing but Jesus Christ and His righteousness. I have given myself to Him and Him alone. I examine my salvation based on Jesus Christ, nothing else. Well, if you don't do this or dress this way or look this way or act this way or talk this way or lay down in the aisle and shake, you must not be saved. Whoa. Can I say this with all love and all the respect that is due? That's a false teacher. And I've got no problem calling it out. That's a false doctrine. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. And it's not the gospel. Look at verse 14 and 15 as we start to make our close here. 14 and 15 just gives sort of a summary of everything. Look what he says. But, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of, Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Look at chapter 5 verse 6. He says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. I love how Paul puts it out there. (laughs) He says, These guys just want you to do this so that they can brag about your external actions. But if I'm going to brag about anything, I want to brag about the glory of Jesus Christ. Let that be what we boast. Let that be where we point everything. Let that be what we showcase over and over and over again. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified. the, The world means nothing to me anymore. And I mean nothing to the world anymore because I am His. To summarize pretty much the whole book, he goes into this saying, in Christ, circumcision, uncircumcision, none of it matters. What matters is are you a new creature? If you still got the same old walk, and you still got the same old talk, you still got the same old heart's desire. Are you a new creature? And last, verses 16 and 17. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Lord, upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. 
I love how he talks about this rule according to this rule. The only rule, he says, that I live by is the gospel. That's it. Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I owe. That's the only rule I live by. He says, if anybody lives according to this rule, peace be on them. Be merciful. Yeah, but what about that guy that still dresses kind of funny? Is he living the gospel? Leave him alone. Well, Pastor, I don't think he should be doing this or doing that or going here or going there. Is he walking according to the gospel? Make that our focus. Instead of going to him and saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be going here. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be acting this way. You shouldn't be... Whoa, 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 whoa. Quit the externals. Give them Jesus Christ. Let that be our focus. And he says, Let no one trouble me anymore, for I bear in my body the marks of our Lord Jesus. He says, These guys want you to be circumcised. I'm the one that's getting beat for the truth. He says, I bear in my body the marks. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. If you go back to the very beginning of the book, Galatians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Look how Paul begins the letter. Grace be unto you. He ends with the same focal point he began. Grace. 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 (laughs) Not man's. But God's grace. This is where our focus is. This is where our focus ought to be. And if I have anything, any wisdom to impart to anyone, if I have any direction to help someone find, if I have any advice to try to give, let it be the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. If I point to anything, let it be the cross of Christ. And let nothing ever take away, distract, pull from our focus on Him. Paul took time to write to the Galatians to clear things up. (laughs) He said it was important. And I like how the book of Galatians begins and ends with both barrels blazing. (laughs) Here's the truth. Take it. Or leave it. 
but I've shared the truth. And it's your responsibility. What are you going to do with it? Folks, I don't flap my gums for fun. We've gone through the book of Galatians and we did it right off the heels of the Gospel of John. The presentation of who Jesus Christ is is there. The explanation of the Gospel is there. And I know for some 40 years this church has had a focus on the truth and nothing but the truth. The question that we need to face today just as much as we did when we first got saved is what are we doing with it? Are we sharing it? Are we dispensing the truth? Or are we like those oysters? Paul said it this way, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's that word oyster kinos, which is where we get our word oyster. And you have to break to get that treasure out. Why don't we give it willingly and share the gospel with this world? Father, I know I don't deserve your love, but you love me. I didn't deserve your grace, but you poured it out upon me. I didn't deserve to experience mercy, but you granted it. So, Father, let me not waste it, squander it, be selfish with it. Let me not focus solely on me and what I want, the direction that I want to go, but Father in heaven, help me, Lord, to live a life that is committed completely surrendered to doing what You would have me to do. Father, that Your truth, Father, the very wonderful, precious, good news of Jesus Christ, that the grace that was passed to man would change me from the inside out. Father, I pray that for all those here today. Father, I pray that for every one of us that claim the name of Christ, that the grace of God would be so real to us and so in our, uh, in our view directly ahead that we would gain tunnel vision to the grace of God. So much so, Lord, that it changes us. And if You are that good to me, why would I withhold anything from You? Why would I treat my brothers and sisters in Christ negatively? Why would I talk down to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Why would I not be willing to take the gospel to this lost and dying world? So Father, help us with this. That the change that takes place because of the gospel would not be a one-time event, but would be a daily occurrence. 
And Father, I'll be very careful to praise You for every part of it because if we glory in anything, let it be the cross of Christ. Father, help us with this because we're frail. We're weak individuals. But Father, we do have a desire to love You. So teach us how. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.